This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? Yes, that greeting establishes the fact that this is indeed your friend, Dr. Cook, and that I'm glad to be back with you to share from the Word of God. We're looking at the Gospel of Mark these days. And we've come now into chapter 4, where the Lord Jesus gives the parable of the sower and the seed. The one thing that distinguishes born from above, born again people from unsaved people is that the Holy Spirit of God enables them to understand. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them for, for because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerneth all things. Jesus said unto you, you disciples, you believers, you born-againers, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are outside, unsaved people, all these things are done in parables. Does God willingly keep anybody from salvation? Of course not. But he does reserve the right to make the rules, and one of his rules is you must be born again. Nicodemus was asking how and which and and how can this be when he came to visit the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Who's talking? The one who built the worlds, the one who flung the stars out in space, and the one who keeps everything going by the word of his power. All things are held together by the word of his power, Paul says. That person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who says, be born again. And when, by faith, you open your heart and life and your mind to the Lord Jesus, you're going to understand a great many things because the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in the believer. And Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The function of the indwelling Holy Spirit is to explain to you things that the ordinary unsaved mind simply cannot grasp. Years ago, it was my duty to do the the newspaper writing uh, for newspaper articles for Youth for Christ. In those days, Tory Johnson was president of Youth for Christ International. I was his uh, assistant pastor, song leader, gopher, and uh, publicist. <laughs> and in that latter capacity, I visited newspaper offices almost daily. In conversation with these people, they would ask two questions. First of all, they'd say, what's your angle, Cook? You guys have to have an angle. And I'd try patiently to explain to the individual asking that we didn't really have an angle, that we wanted to get young people off the street and under the sound of the gospel so their lives could be changed. And then we wanted to send them back to the Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring church of their choice so that they could grow in the Christian life. And the second question that they asked would explain, they'd ask, ask me to explain to them what we meant by being saved and what we meant by trusting Christ. And then again, I would try as best I might to explain how often I would have these people, very smart people, have to be smart in order to have reached the place of prominence in newspaper work that they had gained. Smart people they were, but they'd look at me in bafflement and they'd shake their heads and they'd say, Cook, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Now, you see, that's the problem. The human heart has to say yes to Jesus Christ in submission and in trust and in commitment before understanding comes. 
The old saying, I'm from Missouri, show me and I'll believe. God says, you believe and I'll show you. He turns it around. And he reserves the right to keep to uh, to make the rules and you and I have to obey them. And that's number one in the rules of transformed living. Well, anyhow, the disciples said, well, please explain this to us. And our Savior did. He said, the, the people, the, 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 the people that are exemplified by the seed that fell by the wayside where folk were walking and the, and the soil was hard packed and the seeds just lay there on the hard packed ground. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Uh, if you go over to Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells the same story, but with a little different detail. And uh, it's worth noting that in this instance, he says in Matthew 13, I think it ought to be about 19. Let's look and see if that's right. Yeah, thirteen nineteen. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, understandeth it not, ah, there's the key, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. And then uh, you go to the 23rd verse of Matthew 13, and he's talking about the good ground. He that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which beareth fruit and bringeth forth. Uh, some uh, a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Um, it would seem that understanding the message is very important in this matter of, of a spiritual fruitfulness. Um, so that you and I ought to ought to give great attention it would seem to me, to the matter of helping other people understand what we're saying. The average person on the street doesn't understand what it means to be born again. He doesn't understand our our language that involves justification and sanctification and free will and uh, election and predestination and sa- and all of that. You know, he doesn't understand that. All he knows is that his life is a mess and his heart is aching and uh, or maybe he's broke or maybe his job is involved or whatever or maybe he's involved in a triangular relationship where his home is threatened he 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 isn't interested in our verbiage he's interested in somehow getting help in his situation and so we need really to give uh, a great deal of attention to making sure that people understand what we're talking about would you think about that in your own relationships? You know, the, uh, the, the idea of communication is, is so important at home and uh, in the community and at school and, and on the job. The salesman soon learns the old adage, it's not what you say, it's what the other fellow hears that counts. It's not what you say, it's what the other fellow hears that counts. You have to say what you say so that he'll hear what you want him to hear. Well, that works not only in sales, but in every part of all of life. What have you been saying to your family that they really heard? You profess to be a Christian, but you lose your temper regularly. What have you been saying to them? That Christ may be a a, a savior of sorts, but that he isn't much good in helping dad hold his temper. Or you may have been professing to be a Christian, but you are, uh, mother, you are uh, prone to trim the truth now and again when talking to other people. What are you saying, really, to your family? That Christ may indeed be a Savior, but he's not much help 
in making people tell the truth, or that it isn't important to tell the truth. You see the point I'm making? Um, that people should understand the gospel means that we have to be living demonstrations of how it works. Paul said to Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. In word, that means what you say. In conversation, that's an old word meaning lifestyle. In what you say, in your lifestyle. In charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You be an example of what Christ can do in a human life, in what you say and how you live, in the quality of Calvary love in your life, in faith, the, the ability to be plugged into heaven's switchboard, in purity, the ability to live a holy life in a dirty world. You'll be an example of that. And when people see that and hear the gospel message from those lips, they're going to understand it. You follow me there? What are you really saying to people, beloved? And it's not just what you say with your lips, it's what you're saying with your life as well. And are they understanding what you're saying to them? I've had occasion through my life to deal with hundreds and thousands of young people. And I found that one of the complaints that young people have is that their parents never listened to them and that when their parents spoke to them, it appears that the young persons didn't really get what the parent was trying to say. Um... I would ask sometimes, did you understand what your father was trying to get across to you? Oh, no, he's just yelling at me, you know. And then I would say, well, what seems to be your real complaint? And the, so often the young man or young woman would say, well, my mother and dad never listened to me. They never listened to me. In other words, what the youngster was saying wasn't getting across to the parents and vice versa. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, Matthew said, then Satan takes away the word. So be sure, will you, that people understand what you're trying to put across concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a Sunday school teacher, make sure that your illustrations really illustrate. And if you're a preacher, make sure that your message, although it may be doctrinally correct and your outline is beautifully laid out, just make sure that what you're saying is is for people something they can grasp and say, oh, now I understand. Would you do that? Give thought and prayer to making sure that other people understand you when you talk about Jesus. All right? Well, we went on the last time we got together and, and touched base on these other on these other points. The people on stony ground are those that have no depth for their decision but when affliction or persecution arises, they're offended and they drop out. Two, th two dangers, two tests, to change the figure of speech, that the, the person who wants to trust Christ as Savior is going to face. One is, troubles do come to everyone, and they, if you allow them, they threaten your faith. Uh, but if you have really committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, troubles drive you closer to Christ. And then persecution does come to everyone who professes faith in Christ. It, you're not always shot at sunrise. It isn't always that kind of drastic persecution, but it's there. And in, unless you have a deep commitment to Christ, that kind of pressure is going, to, is going to discourage you and you're going to drop out shallow ground. And then the thorns, you know, the riches and cares of this life. You, if you start caring more for money and the things it can buy than for Jesus, you're in danger in your faith. And then finally, those on good ground.
Well, let's make sure that our hearts, beloved, yours and mine, are what Jesus called good ground for the seed of the word. By the way, your character and your Christian life generally is going to reflect exactly the time that you spend with God's word. Much time in God's word and prayer, much power and blessing. Little time in God's word and prayer, little power and little blessing. Do remember that, will you? Spend time every day with God's word and in prayer. Now let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, today we want to be the kind of people who receive the word of God into good ground and who bear fruit unto life everlasting. Oh, make us that kind of believers. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's all for now. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.